Welcome to Unpacking the Digital Shelf, where we explore brand manufacturing in the digital age. Hey everyone, Peter Crosby here from the Digital Shelf Institute. So Gartner has this thing called a hype cycle, where tech goes from a peak of inflated expectations to the trough of disillusionment, to the plateau of productivity. And I feel like social commerce just keeps careening back and forth from the peak to the trough. Could TikTok's new shopping investments represent a moment where over the next few years we break through to the plateau? Well, Taylor Siegel, Associate Director of Commerce Client Services at MRM Commerce, who leads the social commerce practice there, dropped by to fill Lauren Levack, Gilbert, and me in on the present and future of making money on TikTok. So Taylor, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Uh, we're just delighted to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk a little bit more with you about the topic we're about to dive into. Social commerce, which has been on a, I feel like a roller coaster ride for the past several years as every channel and, and brand is trying to figure out what it means to them and how do they make money at it and uh, and how do they create experiences that do, uh, that that um, you know that adds up to great experiences for everyone, and but and specifically TikTok, which I know you have an interest in. And so, uh, on average, users spend an hour and a half on the app per day, which is astonishing to me. Maybe it shouldn't be, but it's that's just a lot of time, which obviously creates a lot of opportunity potentially for brands as a way to connect with their current and future shoppers. So with all of that engagement that could be business and TikTok is investing mightily in the shopping capability these days, you know, is TikTok kind of the new Amazon for younger generations or how do you sort of think about it and, and how are you seeing brands uh, work in this in this environment? Yeah, so definitely the app success really can be attributed to its entertainment driven and authentic videos. It's hyper personalized. I know I spend hours on the algorithm because it just keeps feeding amazing content to me. And it really allows now anyone and everyone or any product to have the ability to go viral. And so there's really no argument that TikTok is an absolute powerhouse when it comes to selling. You can ask Lululemon, Charlotte Tilbury, Dyson, and even some of those self-published authors who are now on the bestseller list because their books and their products have sold out in seconds because they've gone viral on TikTok. It's just really interesting, too, because the power of TikTok has organically kind of shifted into this new um, future where they're really trying to occupy spaces of the e-commerce landscape and market share because of the way that the consumer is really kind of reacting to the app itself. So you find that now TikTok is making um, a run for its money against Google when it comes to search. And that also can be said about regular e-commerce channels, other social networks, but Amazon, like we just mentioned too, where it's really starting to play in a different space that now has them as a competitor set for the future of Amazon as we kind of move forward into this new uncharted territory. And so the behavior is that, that I'm sorry, I was just was curious. So TikTok users are going there and searching for brands, for products. Is that what, what you're seeing yes. in, the, in the new search terms? And that that's relatively new, at, at least at the scale that we're seeing now. Is that true? 
Yes. So in the last year or so, I think there was a study that came out in 2021 that is showing the younger generation specifically or Gen Z is using TikTok as a search engine that is surpassing Google, which Mm. just shows the nature of just behavior changes with demographics and shifts in the generation to come. So we have that. And then we also have the ability now that TikTok recently announced that they are going to dabble in paid search which is a force for social networks. And I think really exciting. Um, At first, when we would talk to clients on our end, we would talk about hacking search. So we would say, let's hire a ton of really um, amazing influencers and creators and brand ambassadors that range from macro to micro and be able to kind of serve up based on search terms, products or content. So that when people are searching, specifically Gen Z or millennials, that those types of products would surface organically. Now it's shifting where there's now this opportunity to have paid search, which really I think will take market share, not only just in terms of views and search in general organically, but also market share from advertisers, right? Who are now going to shift those dollars from Google and search there to start playing around and testing with search on something like TikTok. And how are you seeing that TikTok is getting into the commerce space where you can actually go and purchase? I know they've really kind of expanded into that. And so that's why they're also driving a lot of competition with the Amazons of the world. Like, how are they getting into that? And how are brands working with them to make that transaction possible? It's really interesting because I think that if you ask TikTok originally what they set out to do, I don't think commerce was in their five-year strategy, or maybe it was, I don't know. I think that um, it's just the nature of how behaviors have just shifted and consumers are now looking for entertainment and entertainment that actually is shoppable, which TikTok serves perfectly. And so they are starting to really experiment um, with different ways to do shopping on the app and have it kind of be very similar to what we're seeing in China with the super app and WeChat and how everything can be done within that one place. So they've tried a, a bunch of different pilots and now they have recently rolled out shops which is their main commerce feature and something they're putting a lot of their efforts and money into and they've rolled out actually recently to ga general everyone within the u.s to be able to use this new type of feature as of i think last week it was but it's really exciting because what they've done is they've really been able to um, have shopping stay within the app and not only have just purchase but also things like chat and even promotions that exist within this new feature. And if you are a brand and you want to start selling on TikTok and experimenting with it, it's a great opportunity for you to reach new consumers and just try something new to see how those consumers are responding to shopping in a new channel. So if I can ask a little bit, I'd like to go back to the search experience a little bit, because at least in my mind, the beauty of TikTok was its authenticity, is its authenticity, even when it's coming from people that you know is a, are might be a paid creator or something. They they still have to put the effort in to be uh, to be. They have to fake their authenticity super well. Um, and and I'm just wondering in a search context, you know, the traditional experience for that is you get these ads at the top of the thing before you get to the information that you really want. Like, is TikTok approaching those search results in this paid program in a different way to keep it feeling TikTok? Or is it kind of, no, that's what you get when you get paid ads, you get an ad. 
I think it, no matter what, TikTok is not going to abandon the idea that the whole entire app is based on authentic video creation that doesn't feel like an ad. I yeah. think the whole experience of the feed and the For You pages on TikTok, when you're scrolling, the best types of ads don't feel like ads. They feel organic to the app. And that's why I think that there's whole entire shift in terms of actually hiring teams, if you're a brand, that are so TikTok specific, because it's a very different type of content that lives on TikTok than it does on other apps. And I think it's a special type of skill that is really starting to evolve, not just between brands, but creators. And people are still experimenting with what actually works and what doesn't. And I think the same could be said about paid ads as it will be about search, because it's still not going to be. Um, and I, I don't know, because I haven't seen what the intricacies of this new program is. But I still assume that it will look very similar to the app in itself. Well, with a paid ad, it would probably just have a sponsor tag in it or a, um, ad tag in it or something along those lines where yes. before you probably on on Google, it's probably a lot more visible that it's a sponsored ad because it's really all only text, right? There's right. no visuals. And I think that's why people are so excited about having the ability to search on an app like TikTok because of the visuals. And I can imagine that Instagram really proved out that that is a viable option because I know I've been targeted by many an Instagram ad and probably bought things I didn't need. So I, I'm sure that's like a great probably. way. Lauren, really. I mean, I definitely have. <laughs> so, I am right there the with you. At home right now. Yeah. So I'm assuming that they are using that similar kind of model where it's like, hey, I'm giving you some sort of visual or a video to explain and then I can click to get to the product uh, from that actual post. Um, I think that's exactly right. I think that they are definitely taking a page out of the Instagram book, out of Facebook, anything that has to do with showing content visually is where TikTok plays. And I think they even do it better than Instagram. I think they do it better than all the other apps because of the nature and the algorithm that's associated with TikTok, but absolutely. And you've also, uh, I think that TikTok has also made sort of a move from just kind of being a storefront for, for brands to actually setting up a marketplace kind of experience. Is that is that true? Are the rumors yeah, so true? That, that is what I have been reading and seeing and talking to a couple of people in the industry about that that's the move that TikTok is making. And that's why I think it's so comparable to competing with an Amazon or another type of marketplace globally, because they are starting to set up infrastructure and different features that are going to play a competitive nature against an Amazon and what they have going for them right now. So you see TikTok creating a marketplace, you see them creating their own own products, which is very similar to Amazon basics. Um, and you see them doing this, not only just in terms of press and news announcements, but they're also doing this in terms of LinkedIn. You looked up you look up who they're hiring for. They're hiring for um, people with merchandising and global supply chain experience. And those types of people are going to start laying down the groundwork for the future of a strategy that is going to be like Amazon on TikTok. And I mean, uh, recently I saw an article um, in Insider that TikTok shop is expected to lose over half a billion dollars in the US this year. And when you think about that, that's that's a lot. <laughs> and, and particularly in this time where you see a lot of companies are kind of reducing their level of experimentation uh, and sort of an investment. 
So I, I'm presuming that for them to do this, that's the end game that they're seeing, which is they are something of a scale of an Amazon in terms of of their 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 commerce levels and maybe even providing services around and sort of kind of diversifying what they're doing. Do you do you feel like it's sustainable for them to keep doing that level of investment in this environment? Do you have any insights into, or is it just the big bet that ByteDance is making? I think it, they're experimenting in a lot of places to see what bites yeah. and different areas, different markets are going to adopt different types of commerce features that TikTok's rolling out just based on the culture and the nuances of each of those regions. So they are losing a lot of money in shops and it's specifically within the US and other markets that are similar in the West because I think they put in all this money based on the data and the success that we've seen in China and other areas in Southeast Asia where social commerce and shopping within the app is just exploding. And there's was a big bet to replicate that in other markets. And I think what they found was that those markets weren't ready for it. And all this money was put into these types of features. And it wasn't just TikTok, it was Meta as well, and even mm-hmm. Snap and YouTube to try to start experimenting it. And though the adoption was low, I still think it's needed for companies at that scale that are so innovative and at the cutting edge of all things that kind of keep driving the commerce world and the social world and everything like that forward because they need to experiment. Otherwise, they're not going to get anywhere. So I think that they're definitely putting a lot of money in these areas. But at the same time, it's not for no reason. I think that they're learning a lot and they're going to take all those learnings and reiterate it over and over again until they can find the secret sauce, whether that's the Amazon lookalike or if that's the Google search paid program or even the shops features and the conversational commerce aspect of the app where they're going to find what works in each place. And eventually they're going to start pushing it forward and it having it be super successful. Yeah, I, I expect that. And and as you know, our our audience are the brands that are trying to figure out how to make experiences that engage consumers. And so dive into a couple of examples for us. Like how are brands using some of this these capabilities to uh to leverage TikTok into into business? Well, I think it's really important for brands who are experimenting the space to really think like marketers where you have to be strategic and you have to put your dollars in places that work based on data and science, but also start really creating content like creators, like the brand ambassadors, like your everyday consumer who are on that app. So it does feel very organic. And to take that that creative lens on how you can start selling product and leveraging shoppable moments that feel really um, natural to the app. So for instance, I love the example of Scrub Daddy because it has just one or two SKUs, right? It's a really small amount of um, product that they have, and yet they've amassed a major following on TikTok. They were part of the first initial pilot where they rolled out shops in the US where they started experimenting with how they could be selling the product online. I thought that their content team is spectacular and the the fact that they join conversations and trends versus being spy standards within the app environment. Um, But they're one of the ones that I look at as being really successful and kind of leaders in the space when you talk about social commerce and um, different types of ways that brands can really be creative and also sell product. 
So that's the first one. I think that a few other ones that kind of pop, pop to mind or pop into my mind. Gushers, I think is great. I was watching a video the other day of somebody on their team who took Gushers and instead of like just talking about the product, they did something really creative and they glued the Gushers to a set of Crocs as if they were the gibbets, which are really popular right now and walked around. It was this whole video and I thought it was just a really interesting way to stay really re relevant within not only the app, but the consumer and just it was really entertaining and that stuck in my head. And even though it's not directly commerce, the idea that that could be still in my head days later has me thinking about gushers the next time that I go to a store and maybe not purchasing online, but it has associated purchase intent. Um, other brands that come to mind to you are Red Bull, Elf does an amazing job in terms of selling and kind of promoting their product on TikTok. Oreos, I know Aldi also um, kind of sticks out of my mind. Revolve from a retail setting does a fantastic job of having all of their brand ambassadors across all of different areas try on their clothing and really have the, the, the most up-to-date sounds that are part of it because sound is so important to the app and really just be on trend and contribute to the conversation is so important within something like TikTok. From the retail side, how does Aldi use uh, TikTok? Like, how are they? Uh, that's a one that kind of stood out to me that I wouldn't have expected mm -hmm. uh, from the retail side. What are they doing? So Aldi is doing just really exciting things about new limited editions that are being sold within. So they are just kind of being part of the conversation and staying relevant because you wouldn't expect someone like Aldi to be kind of on TikTok and doing well. But they also just have a strategic point of view and have jumped into using sounds that are relevant or just being really comical and kind of up to date on everything that has been going on within the app. And I find it very refreshing to see something that doesn't feel so ad forward or that is so about, I don't know, the whole entire store, but it's actually about the products and how they're using them and different recipes. And just, I think that they're doing a really great job of trying to figure out what their secret sauce is when it comes to how retailers and those types of grocers can play in a place like TikTok. I love how you started talking about the example saying that you need to think like a brand marketer. And I think this comes back to brand in general, right? Where TikTok can help you build a brand and help kind of get your name out there to be remembered next time you're in store, like you were talking about Gushers. But I don't necessarily think that uh, that's always top of mind when it comes to digital or e-commerce, especially when you're thinking about making a sale or a paid ad. And I feel like TikTok is that opportunity for brands to really focus again on the brand and get to the consumer and how are they approaching it? What are they thinking about how to kind of build that brand voice and that brand vision? So would you suggest if, if I'm a brand manufacturer listening and I want to get involved in TikTok to really think about it that way versus, hey, I'm going to drive incremental sales on the new marketplace feature. It, it's more about kind of like building that brand mm -hmm. voice in a different way. Yeah. I don't think you can go into TikTok with the main KPI of driving sales right now, especially right. if you're a US brand, especially if you're in CPG. Yes, brand is so important. I think when you have something as strong as a brand voice on a place like TikTok, that feels really relevant, the sales will come. And how that works is that really great content, I think pulls a consumer in, but then the features, right? That pushes the consumer through to make a sale. So it's, yes, you have to have the great content originally, but then you have to set up the back end and all those features for success. So that means leveraging every single commerce opportunity you can from shops to different paid solutions, but also connecting your products to the app. 
to also connect your commerce to the app, to be able to have the backend work so seamlessly that it really creates a great experience for that consumer where it doesn't stop at the, the brand content, it continues to that sale. And I also think that's what TikTok does really well. I think in the future, we've always thought about the shopping journey as being so siloed, right? We have it start at awareness and ends at conversion or even loyalty one step later. But what TikTok is really doing is consolidating the customer journey into one kind of experience. And I think that that is something really interesting to pay attention to where brand and conversion are now kind of smudged together and they kind of equal each other if you're doing it right. So Taylor, um, you know, we always talk uh, on the show about people, process, technology, you know, that the tech is, and in this case, the TikTok platform is kind of the last thing to think about. It's more like when I think of the process to bring your brand to life on TikTok, how are you seeing your clients think about how much of that expertise is in-house? How much of it is with an agency? What What's the model that works best in such a, uh, you know, a turbulent environment like TikTok, which is innovating all the time and knowing what's like, where are you seeing, are there sort of maturity paths that people are taking on TikTok where some of your clients are really investing in in-house teams and then others are relying on you? Or can you ex- kind of explain the, those different paths to me? Yeah, I think it just depends on the size of your business and yeah. what your business is. We have clients who are really big retail clients who cater to Gen Z audience, and they've decided to bring it, their TikTok and social media teams in-house because they feel like they want it to be um, constantly creating content in the office and that have that behind the scenes aspect of everything. But I actually feel like right now, most of the clients I see are outsourcing that because they don't really understand it, but they still want to be part of the conversation. So they want to use an agency to also really learn because you want to go to the experts first to really kind of get that foundation of what should we be doing? What's best practices? What are other brands doing that these agencies are working with? How can we be leveraging everything at our fingertips to create the best type of content and also have that connectivity with experience and technology? And a lot of times because TikTok is so new that it really is something that brands are kind of starting to experiment with where they don't want to start hiring everyone internally to build out this new feature or this new channel, but they want to start using agencies to kind of dip their toes in it. And eventually I think that brands will start having large TikTok teams. I think that they're going to be as big as a whole marketing team will be social. Whereas right now, I think if you go to a lot of big brands, that their social team is usually about maybe two to 10 people. I know when I worked at Bloomingdale's at the time, we had a small team. It's a big company. And so that is going to eventually change as TikTok and social get so much more important to the overall e-commerce ecosystem and branding ecosystem. And as we start learning more about what works and what doesn't. And are you seeing, because is that mostly the brand side of the marketing teams? Because, you know, when it comes to what what our folks are doing, they're often on the e-commerce side of the house, Mm. but they're getting sort of brand impressions through e-commerce ads and, and so the the there's now a mixture of an interest from the brand side and how they're spending their dollars there because they get you know through an amazon they're getting brand awareness 
but it's also about driving sales on that platform. As you see TikTok do more and more shopping experiences, are you seeing sort of e-commerce people get involved in the conversation or is it still very much the brand teams and whatever happens over from a driving dollars perspective is just sort of gravy at the moment? I think that the best type of strategy is to include commerce in all those conversations Mm -hmm. because we are seeing that where everything was so siloed before, just the nature of how commerce is moving forward is really just starting to be more intertwined, right? So we have commerce teams that are focused on driving ROI and sales and conversion. But that at the same time is very important to the brand team now because you're creating all these ads that are not converting. So what do you do with that? Who's going to be the person there that's going to also help with the strategy? How are you going to read that data and know it's working, it's not? And I'm finding that a lot of different brands, especially from a governance structure, don't know what to do anymore with <laughs> where they're supposed to put all these different types of skill sets and types yeah. of of people who originally were so siloed into brand or so siloed into social or commerce. And now that it's one place, I think that there's going to be a huge mix up when it turns, when you turn inward on a brand and say, how are you structuring your team? And I think that we are not going to find the same structure that is from one brand to another, the way we used to at all. Because I would imagine if you're going to build a team of 20 people doing this, it had freaking better be ringing cash registers or you're not getting those 20 people. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because I think that nowadays too, with especially everything that's happening with the economy and inflation, that it's not enough to have great awareness anymore, right? Like brands just want at the end of the day to make money. I always wonder when brands are like, oh, we're siloed and we don't have the collaboration. I'm like, well, that can solve a lot of your problems, right? Because you're bringing in analytics, you're bringing in sales you're bringing in marketing marketing to really kind of get that full funnel picture. So I agree that it's going to continue to get even more important. And that if you're dealing with social, or you're dealing with creative, you need to be have a seat at the table when you're mm-hmm. talking about commerce to make sure that you can kind of pull that full picture together. Yes. I love the idea too. I was talking to a couple of brands who are experimenting with the idea of having just pods, just different pods that are associated with a type of business or family of product or something along those lines where they're having one representative from each of the teams that we're talking about. So you have a commerce person, you have a creative, you have a performance marketing, and all those people kind of contribute to one team. I think that the the pods are really important because you have one person that's coming from creative. It's very much the agile methodology um, kind of approach. I'm seeing a lot of brands take that as well. And we're seeing from an organization structure that e-commerce and, and commerce in general is being democratized throughout the business. And that's the model that's being built, where instead of having like a COE, you have the the pods or you have an agile squad or whatever you call it that focuses on each of your brands. And you bring the expertise from every single piece of the omnichannel journey so that everyone's focusing on it together and you can kind of see it from end to end. So I, I love that approach because that's definitely where more of the mature brands are moving as well. Yeah, exactly. I think we start talking about creative commerce as being a whole new area. So Taylor, to to close out, you know, a little bit of a crystal ball time here that I'll ask you to do some crystal ball gazing for us. Earlier, you mentioned that TikTok sort of was trying the a certain to bring the model from China and other countries 
over into the West, if you will, and then was finding it's not working because I think I'm quoting you because we aren't there yet. When you think about the next few years, do you feel like it's just that we aren't mature enough or do you feel like fundamentally our cultures are different and maybe even our core infrastructure may not change in a way that would allow what China has created in their society? And and if so, why not? I'll, you know, just I'm just sort of wondering where you think over the next few years, our audience, you know, largely brand manufacturers in the English speaking world um, uh, should think about what the next few years have in store. That is the big debate, right? Solve it. I, You're here. Because <laughs> I, I, I think that originally when social camp commerce came on the scene, everyone thought it was going to explode everywhere, right? Yeah. We had it as a big buzzword and everyone was putting social commerce into every thought leadership paper and conversation and building out teams, especially on the agency side that now will kind of fit into what clients are asking for when it comes to social and social commerce. I do think that the U.S. is very slow in the adoption, especially when it comes to commerce, which means that sales aren't really moving the needle on social just yet. And that means that brands are still hesitant to put efforts and money into that new channel. Consumers are still using TikTok as a discovery app in the moment. And I think that has to do with compared to China, there's a level of trust. That being said, the younger generation is on TikTok. They are on social. They are buying things from social. They are digitally native. Dem- um, they are digitally native group and demographic. That is going to have a huge influence the next couple of years, especially as consumer behaviors continue to shift, as we buy more on digital as these apps really start evolving and becoming more seamless. I know in the future, Meta and TikTok are changing their advertising policies to now keep more of consumers within the app to sell versus pushing them outside the app. That's going to have a lot of difference in terms of how people are being able to um, buy within or without. But overall, I think it's going to be a slow and steady rise of social commerce. I don't think it's going to be one day we're all shopping from TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. It's going to be every day we're making small strides until one day. Well, we'll schedule for 10 years from now. (laughs) Your crystal ball (laughs) prediction. Lauren and I will be here. I'll be here in my wheelchair (laughs) and we will have this conversation if I remember. Uh, (laughs) Taylor, thank you so much. Uh, You know, it's exciting times. I think First of all, I would imagine for all the teams that work on this, it must be super fun just to be able to to dip your toe and to build out. It's a fresh place to to do your brand and to and there's a lot of innovation. And so for for brands that are that are up for that, it's it's kind of fun to play in there at a time when other things are getting kind of repetitive and stayed. I don't know. I I would imagine it's a a great place to play as long as you're setting up the feedback loops to figure out how it's going to turn into business and you can do it in a way that um you know that is that smart test and learn agile strategy. Does does that make sense? It's never a dull day. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and I think that's de- what makes it oh, and I think that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for taking a time out of your exciting day doing social commerce um, to talk to us about this because I was curious where I'd gone and, and this it's uh, 
it's really exciting and fun to think about. So thank you for, for joining us. And thank you for having me. This has been great. Thanks again to Taylor for the insights on the trajectory of social commerce. For more on what's coming, become a member by going to digitalshelfinstitute.org and click the Become a Member button. Thanks for being part of our community.